human thought, all science, all religion, is the holding of a candle. Philosopher wonders ask, are we human because we gaze at the stars, or do we gaze at them because we are human, point the tree, or if the stars were right back, they could plunge our world, monstrous, sky, but when the stars were wrong, they could not live, but although they no longer lived, they would never really die. When the universe is vast and inexplicable, and you are weak and insignificant, then you know you are playing Call of Cthulhu. This is an actual play of Call of Cthulhu 7th edition, featuring adult themes and horror. Listener discretion is advised. Find our published scenarios at starsareright.com or contact us for help unleashing your own twisted tales upon an unsuspecting world. And now, settle in, dear listener. Intrigue, high adventure, and cosmic horror await when the stars are right. Hello and welcome to the first episode of our new campaign here at the Stars Are Right podcast. As always, we're here to bring Call of Cthulhu stories to life through this podcast as well as our published Miskatonic repository scenarios. You can find all the information you need on our website, starsareright.com. If you haven't tuned in before, thank you for joining. We'll be releasing episodes weekly, sometimes alternating this long-term campaign with our own one-shot scenarios. Soon follows the first episode of the trilogy of scenarios from Cults of Cthulhu, a Call of Cthulhu supplement written by Chris Lackey, Mike Mason, and friends. The three scenarios take place in different eras, but are all somehow related to, you guessed it, Cthulhu cults. The first scenario in the trilogy is called Loki's Gift, and it's set in Victorian London, 1896. Let's go around the table and introduce our cast. Why don't you all tell us who you are? Your favorite Call of Cthulhu one-shot, besides Heartless and Loveland, of course, everyone's favorite, and a few sentences about the character you're playing in Loki's Gift. Lydia. Hi, everybody. I'm playing Alice Thorne, and she is a philanthropist and charity worker. She runs a small charity in the East End of London, which aims to get people into work, especially what the Victorians would have called fallen women. For my favourite scenario, I'm going to pick the one that was the first one to really make an impression on me. It wasn't the first one I ever played, but it was the moment where Call of Cthulhu kind of clicked for me. And I thought, yes, I love this game. And that was Dead Man's Stomp. Uh, I was also playing a jazz singer at the time. So uh, it, it really, really clicked for me. Thank you. Jason? Yes, hello. I am Jason, and I'm usually behind the scenes as part of the Stars Are Right editing team. But I have returned once again from behind the curtain uh, to play in Loki's Gift. Uh, my favourite Pascal of Cthulhu one-shot, apart from Heartless and Loveland, of course, uh, is Scritch Scratch, which is another Cthulhu modern game, and uh, a nice little one set in the backwaters of some countryside place in the UK. As for this game, however, I am playing Gabriella Halsey, a Southwark's resident medium, and all other investigators in the party have been clients of mine in one way or another. Gabriella is Hispanic, but was adopted at birth by an English middle-class couple, so she's lived in London all her life. She's a devout Catholic, very attuned to the world around her, and very much a free spirit. Noxicals. Hello, I am playing Francis Avery, Professor of Chemistry at uh, UCL, the recently formed university in London, and Tragic Widower, uh, a poor, pasty academic with a sad and tragic past, who has found solace in the uh, guidance of medium Gabriella Halsey. If I'm going to choose my favourite ever one-shot, it's really tough, actually, because I've played lots and lots of them over the years as the token old git, but... I think I'll throw in a vote for our playthrough of Mr. Corbett, which is uh, the place where, in some ways, Stars of Right was born, actually. Oh, uh, yeah. After Mr. Howell, who was listening along, said, wow, you guys are great. You should record a podcast. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'll be a creep and I'll go for that one. That was a good time. I like that. How? Hello. I'm continuing the tradition of playing doctors whose first name starts with the letter E. So I'm playing Dr. Ephraim Glifford. He's a 53-year-old surgeon colonel, a stern military man on the medical staff of His Majesty's Armed Forces, 
back from Afghanistan just a few years ago. Uh, he's also the son of the Earl of Bastrand and, frankly, disgustingly rich. Uh, as for my favorite one-shot, I don't know about favorite, but I've still got a soft spot for The Haunting, which I know is a real classic intro, um, but I really enjoyed that as my first COC scenario run by Fedra for Just Me, um, where she insta-killed the character I'd spent ages uh, putting together. And then the second time I played it, um, I fumbled a library use role of all things and had to spend the rest of the scenario with fewer teeth than I started with. So that scenario has taken a lot of my, my blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, these characters were all made at least partly using Heinrich's Call of Cthulhu Guide to Character Creation, which can be found at the Miskatonic Repository. Now that we know who you all are, Shall we go ahead and draw some luck? Ooh, yes. Ooh. Who's going to be low-key today? Oh. Oh. I have been wanting to use that pun for about two <laughs> weeks now. <laughs> okay, okay, so... Alice. I've just rolled 45. Ah, could be better, but could be worse. Mm-hmm. Gabriella. I've rolled a rather suitable 60. All right, all right, all right. Francis. Keeping it middling, 55. All right. And finally, Ephraim. Also 55. You are all more or less perfectly average. Well done. And finally, before we start, uh, some quick content warnings. This campaign is for an adult audience only and will include body horror, suicide, drugs, subsexual content, classism, Gaslighting and other assorted horror. You have been warned. And without further ado, on to episode one of Loki's Gift. It is the fall of 1896. London has enjoyed over a week of heavy rain, and the winter chill appears to have come early. You have been called to the home of Lord Richard Gladstone in Kensington. You know Lord Richard Gladstone as a recent member of your seance group having tried to contact his son, who died a few days ago. However, he's been growing more and more agitated with uncertainty as to what brought on his untimely and gruesome demise. You know him as a wealthy man of high status, who in principle wants to let things lie, conserve appearances. But there's clearly something in him that can't let it go. Even those among you, without a psychic gift, can tell. Speaking of which, as you approach Lord Gladstone's home altogether, please take a moment to tell us a bit more about your character, what they're wearing, how they're feeling, or what they're saying, perhaps, to the others in this moment. Alice? So Alice is dressed as a very respectable-looking late Victorian woman. She's wearing a, a dark tweed dress with jacket and a hat. Uh, with a, a short cloak over it, and uh, she's also wearing a pair of smoked glasses. She's uh, quite curious as to why she's been called here with the others, but uh, it's also nice to catch up outside of the seance room. Gabriella. So Gabriella is very used to going to people's homes to do seances and uh, other spiritual activities, so she's wearing her usual... Uh, elaborate robes. I'll say that there's some nice uh, star, starry patterns and so on. Um, she also believes that the others are here to help or something like that. So at the moment, she's feeling quite calm, although she is quite aware of, of Richard's uh, turbulent feelings at the moment. Francis. So, uh, Francis is neatly dressed, uh, with neat dark hair and moustaches. Uh, he has wire-rimmed spectacles that often slip down his nose. Uh, his clothes show that he's somebody from money, but if you uh, look closely, you'll see that they're slightly behind the trend. Uh, Francis is much more worried about his academic pursuits than he is about remaining fashionable within fashionable London. Uh, I imagine that Francis will be uh, doing his best to engage Gabriella in conversation, uh, because he's got, become somewhat uh, almost addicted to his sessions and uh, attempts to contact his dead loved ones. And Ephraim? 
So Ephraim um, has got a very upright military bearing, proud military moustache, stern haircut. Um, and he is dressed not showily, um, but it is a very expensive, well-tailored suit, um, gloves, umbrella, possibly. Um, and he also has a swanky townhouse in Kensington um, with his wife and daughter. So he probably, I mean, if this is the, the kind of Lord Chappie who entertains occasionally, he probably would have been here at some point because uh, he moves in aristocratic circles as a son of an earl. So he definitely feels like he's um, the most at home entering Lord's houses out of this rabble, but he's sort of developed a bit of a, a, a respect for his, his fellow attendees of these seances and certainly for um, the, the mystic uh, Gabriella who runs them. So he's probably making some um, polite small talk with Gabriella about um, some other occasion where he, you know, came to this house for some soiree. Upon entry, you're asked to wait a short time before a servant leads you upstairs to the study. You see Lord Richard looking out of a window at the grey sky while rain runs down the window pane. As always, the middle-aged white man is wearing an immaculate black suit which looks like it was made by the finest tailors in London. His hair is still grey and he has a tightly trimmed beard. His dark blue eyes stare off in the distance, lost in thought. When you enter the room, the man turns and solemnly welcomes you. Thank you for offering to help me. There are not many people I can trust at the moment. People who will help me with the sensitivity and discretion this matter requires. As you know, uh, my son, Charles Gladstone, died five days ago. Uh, a balcony railing gave way and uh, Charles fell to his death. Uh, that's, of course, a different story to what the newspapers report. They say he jumped, committed suicide. He avoids looking at any of you in the eye, uh, just as he usually does at your meetings. I truly believe my son would never do such a thing, take his life. I freely admit still that I may be deluded, just a grieving father letting emotions get the best of him. <clears throat> he composes his already fairly composed self and continues. Charles was a thoughtful, kind and sensitive man. Perhaps we overly sheltered him. Anyone here is welcome to roll me psychology? Oh, I'll have a go at that. Yes. Behind his emotionless facade. <laughs> but no, that's an 86 versus 50. 46 yeah. over 34, so also a fail. No, 84 versus 60. I'll give it a go. 64 versus 55. Oh, we're starting as we mean to go on. That's good. <laughs> we are. We, we've only met him like twice, right? So Let's spend all the luck. <laughs> Everyone failed. All right. You... <laughs> You see, this man clearly doesn't care. <laughs> no, he does um, But you can't tell how he feels. You take his words as red. He pauses and looks at you. Uh, I, I, again, Lord Gladstone, I'm, I'm terribly sorry for your loss, but uh, why is it you've invited us here? Um, I, I thought... Uh, Gabriella told you, you you have, um, she said you've offered to help me find out what happened uh, to my son. Gabriella, did you not tell them? Why, why, why do they think they came here? I, oh, well, I don't really, I don't really know. Um, perhaps they are not used to coming to a, a Lord's house to do um, <coughs> things such as this. Uh, <laughs> Um, Gladstone, I just don't quite see... Uh, you said a balcony railing gave way. Um, tragic. Absolutely tragic. But it sounds rather cut and dried. Uh, well, you say it is, but the, the newspapers are still reporting that he committed suicide, and I just... 
Well, I can't bear the, the uncertainty of it all, chap. Good chap, surely you must understand. Of course, of course. Not the sort of story one likes spread, but, you know, papers. They'll be prattling about something else next week. Just have to, you know, stiff up a lip and, and wait it out. I, I'd, I'd love to help, old chap, but I, I just don't see how we're supposed to prove an accident like that. I mean, broken balcony railing, um, good enough, I would have thought. The gutter press, they do love their scandals, don't they? Don't they just? Yes. And and Dr. Glifford is uh, likely correct. I, I do think that things will move on with time. We are, of course, happy to uh, partake of any attempts to contact your uh, son with Gabriella, should you wish to, but uh, I'm not certain that such things would count as evidence for the newspapers. Uh, do you do you have a son? Do any of you have a son? Got a fine daughter. Well, you can't possibly understand <clears throat> what I'm going through. A big, dark cloud will pass over Francis's face at that point. <laughs> we are all aware, Lord Gladstone, that you are suffering unbearably so. And this is, this is an absolutely terrible loss for you. I, I can see that. But I think it is important that we all try and help with our abilities as much as we can. And whilst we could attempt to contact your son again in death. I imagine that his uh, his time around us as a living man would be more important to focus on for the moment. What was his um, mental state like before he died? You said he was quite a sensitive boy, yes? <clears throat> I, I didn't notice any strange behavior from Charles. But neither did I see much of him over the last few months. My daughter, Catherine, was close to her brother. He was a musical genius, you know. He performed a self-composed piece when he was but 12 years of age. I miss the sound of Charles's beautiful music filling the house. Must be a terrible loss for you. He looks at you, Alice, in the eye. He says, I know Charles was spending a lot of time with bohemian types, namely Margaret Cornwall, an actress. He lets that last word hang in the air. Ah. Miss Cornwall was almost 10 years older than Charles. Charles had been spending time at a lesser-known gentlemen's club called the Pacific Club. The Gladstones are members of the prestigious white gentlemen's club, so I find it odd he would frequent such a lesser establishment. I need to know. I must know the reason why Charles took his own life. Not for the papers, but for me. I, I can offer you a, a hundred pounds for your time. Expertise, discretion. I don't believe I can trust anyone else with this. You're welcome to look through his room, speak to his sister if you deem it necessary, but please do not deny me the chance to know. Gabriella gives a slow nod and she simply says, I will help you in any way that I can. Your aura is incredibly turbulent and I wish to calm it as much as I can. On my honour as a gentleman, sir, I, I, I will help in any way that I can. And uh, I require no monetary payment, though perhaps you could make some donation to uh, the uh, the charity of uh, uh, Miss Thorne. Uh, very well. Uh, I, I believe I, I did briefly hear about your charity in, uh, last meeting. Uh, seems like a very, very worthwhile cause, of course. Yes, uh, thank you. I mean, there are so many women in need in this city, and indeed men too, but uh, this actress you mentioned, um, not to be indelicate, of course, but, but you think she may have been 
amongst the kind of ladies to which my charity ministers? Um, she, she is a bohemian type for certain, but I thought you were, um, in charge of the, the downtrodden. I believe she has a, she has a more active career than that at the moment. Absolutely, I, I I understand. Not that I would edit, I ever watch anything of the kind. I only watch the the opera. Quite. Um, <clears throat> just want to be quite clear, old chap. Obviously, have to help any way we can. But um, you uh, you believe your son did in fact <clears throat> take his own life? Um, he's been consorting with with low lives, riffraff, what not. Uh, going to CD clubs. Um, stepping out with an actress, ten years a senior, and you, you want us to look into this for you. I just, I would have thought, you know, um, father's tender heart, uh, time of grieving, obviously, uh, delicate matters such as these, you're quite sure you want to know more about this. Better not to let, you know, sleeping dogs lie, fondly remember his better moments, etc., I've uh, pondered this uh, over many days, at least one day, and over many a brandy. And yes, knowing is better than not knowing. That's why I joined uh, the club, and uh, that's why I'm doing this. Uh, I believe that knowing will help my soul rest. Well, I do hope it... it Brings you some peace of mind, old boy. Um, do you go steady on that stuff? You'd be horrified to hear what it does to your liver. Ha! Ha ha! Yes. <laughs> Down <laughs> brandy. <laughs> so, what will it be? I would be interested in uh, casting my, uh, my mind around the house, uh, get a feel for possible spirits that may linger here, especially in your son's room, gauge exactly what happened here before he died. Yes, sir. Excellent idea. Um, I, I shall take you to his his room post-haste. Um, follow me, please. Thank you, Lord Gladstone. Alice has given Gabriella a slightly withering glance over the top of her glasses at this point. And she also says, I personally am more interested in the what's, the where's, the who's, the why's, the wherefores. You know, the real concrete things to investigate rather than the spirits. I, I, I would think we need to look at actual physical realm just as much as the spiritual one. Well, well, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, yes, but uh, I, I think Gabriella has uh, has proven herself uh, m- multiple times in our company. I, uh, if she wishes to uh, walk the halls and and see what she consents, then I think we should allow. Oh, of course. I'm I'm just saying that we need to look at both worlds. Y- yes, I, I I agree. Oh, Alice, there's so much of the what's and the why's you can learn from observers, such as ghosts. Well, you would be the one to know. I shall defer. I assume we're outside of Lord Gladstone's hearing at this point? No, he's no, no, with he's, you. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's I, walking you upstairs. I'm I about shall, to give the description of the room. I shall refrain from talking about him <laughs> behind his back. <laughs> but I will actually, I'll, I'll just call a question up to him. Uh, Gladstone, was it one of your balconies here? Was he in a hotel or something? Sorry to ask, but we got to know. Uh, it, 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 it was uh, here, um... Frightful, frightful sight to wake up to. I'm, I'm so sorry. Yes. Yes, terrible. Charles Gladstone's room, located on the third floor of the house, is well-maintained and sparsely decorated. His bedroom is connected to a sitting room with a desk and a grand piano. Handwritten sheet music can be found on both the desk and piano. The sitting room has a small balcony overlooking an alleyway. The railing is in good shape and if close attention is paid, has not been recently repaired. Well, I'd definitely go and give the old uh, railing a gander since I was just <laughs> talking about it. Mm. So does it look, to all intents and purposes, like the railing might have given way under his weight? 
Um, not really. Okay, it's not broken such that you might fall through, it's just mm. not recently repaired. And how tall is the railing? Is it something that is like sort of waist height, so it, it might be easy to fall over if you were leaning out? Or is it more like so high that you'd have to really make an effort to get over it? Oh, it's not that that high. I think, um, yeah, I think you could potentially, but not easily, you know, it's not like mm. below waist or anything. It's like mid-section. Mm-hmm. Ankle high balcony railing. <laughs> yeah, that's enough to trip you up. <laughs> they hadn't invented health and safety in 1896. <laughs> not quite. You are in the, the room where it all started or ended depending on how you see it. I think uh, Lord Gladstone is going to leave you to it for a bit, um, wait outside or a bit further away. He doesn't say anything about it, but you know, it probably is quite a difficult place for him to be. Okay. Well, he seems to be holding up remarkably well. It must be an absolutely terrible shock. Frightful. I think he might be hiding more than we are perceiving at the moment, Alice. He is a man of reputation, after all. Yes, yeah, I suspect the part of this is uh, an attempt to repair his son's reputation in some way, or perhaps just to find someone to blame. I recognise the pain in his eyes. Anyway, let's uh, have a look round in uh, both forms, shall we? I think Gabrielle would cast her eye around the room and look for something um, of significance, if there was anything like that. I know you said it was sort of, you know, not too well decorated, but anything like a music box or something to that degree and just put her hand on and take some deep breaths. I think perhaps the piano itself would be your object of significance, unless you want to um, get the sheet music, but I guess it's less of an object in, in that way. No, I'm I'm happy with the piano. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, yeah, Gabrielle will will run her hand along the the top, um, above the keys. What kind of skill would you like to use to uh, harness your confidence and your spiritual abilities? Would you like power or occult? Oh, they're both pretty high. I think power makes some sense. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Um, because it's kind of like, how confident do you feel that you can get yeah. a read out of this, as well as everything okay. else? So, roll me a power. What is everyone else doing? Um, you're welcome to look at specific things, uh, like the music sheet, or you can do a general spot hidden and just search around the room in a less specific way. I imagine Francis is watching Gabriella kind of wrapped, to be honest. I don't think he'll be a lot of use until she's finished. <laughs> What else is in the room in terms of furniture? Uh, very sparse, desk, piano, handwritten sheet music everywhere, balcony, uh, bed, <laughs> I imagine. I think Alice will look at the desk. Yeah, uh, would you like to roll a spot hidden? Okay. Um, what is uh, Dr. Ephraim doing? He's also um, in awe of Gabriella's ways, to be honest, so always pleased to, to observe her contacting the, the other realm. <laughs> okay. But he does look over her shoulder to get a glance at the title of the sheet music. Does it look like an original composition, like a scroll on... Um, well, if you want to investigate the sheet music, you have to say that. Okay. It's a lot, it's everywhere. And it does look um, original. Not original, but it looks handwritten. Well, I'm not going to start rustling papers while Gabriella's talking to ghosts, so I will wait. Okay, what did you roll, Gabriella? I got a hard pass on my pal. Okay, you feel very confident in this, and the tarot card I pulled is strength. Um, And you have a feeling that uh, you're going to be looking for the darkness in this room rather than the light in this occasion. Okay. You pick up like weakness, perhaps addiction of some sort, letting that damaging influence conquer you and failing to set 
those boundaries and do what's right. You you get that sense that this person was weakened by something. Mm-hmm. That is what you pick up from the spirits. You can feel that sadness and languish. Um, Gabriella will look up slightly to the ceiling and, and just take everything in and say, there is, there is much sadness here. So much sadness and a weakness of a heart which was hidden away by this musical facade. Or perhaps that became his weakness itself. Literally or figuratively, weakness of the heart. I mean, who knows? <laughs> it's spiritualism. It's not science. <laughs> no, no, let the medium speak. <laughs> it can be a, an open interpretation. But I wonder, given that he was seen uh, going to see this uh, actress, perhaps, uh, perhaps he had become addicted to a substance or grew obsessed with something. And that led to his downfall. Well, perhaps there may be some uh, sign or paraphernalia if we uh, take a look through the room. Uh, what did you roll in your spot hidden, Alice? I failed, unfortunately. 59 against 50. Would you like to spend like and or push? I think I'd like to try and push climb on the desk. (laughs) (laughs) What is your plan here? Uh, I think she's going to look for hidden things within the desk, like if there's maybe some kind of locked drawer or something. So she's she's going to get down on the floor and, and kind of get underneath the desk and kind of look at the wood and see if there's any kind of strange gaps or anything like that 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 looks like there might be a hidden compartment somewhere. How, how does that put you at risk? She could She's going to sort of, your head. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're yeah, going that's, for? that's pretty much what I'm thinking, yeah. I respect um, your immediate enthusiasm to throw Victorian dignity to the wind and uh, clamber around on your hands and knees. (laughs) Uh, What is everyone else doing at this point after you've heard the the spirits? I imagine that I'll start to take a a look around the room as well and I'll specifically be looking for anything that I can even vaguely relate to um, Gabriella's um, reading. Okay. You know, so I can sort of hold it up and go, look, didn't I do good? <laughs> I roll me a spot <laughs> hidden as well. Okay, well, I'm not going to succeed, but I'll give it a go. And what is Dr. Ephraim doing? Are you looking at the music sheets? Well, I was going to, but now that um, drug paraphernalia has been mentioned, I feel like as a um, doctor at, at war, I probably would have seen my fair number of, like, addicts and people skimming painkillers and anaesthetics out of the supplies and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. we spot hidden as well, then. Uh-huh. Everybody be spot hiddening. Yep. Okay, so we got a failure from. Yep, it's all you, Nox. That was a 65 over 50. Okay. Oh, we got a hard success on base. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Take that. Nice. You trip over um, the crucial and, evidence. Uh, how did your push roll go, Alice? Uh, that's another fail worse than the last one. That was Someone 76. Your head goes straight through the desk. Okay. Evidence is scattered everywhere. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to be in the ground uh, searching for secret compartments in that desk that unfortunately don't exist. Um, While um, (laughs) with his sad success, Francis is going to be excitedly re-looking through all the desk drawers until he pulls one of the desk drawers real far out and it falls (laughs) on you. (laughs) But inside that drawer is a letter, <laughs> right at the back. Mixed success, then. That he picks up right before the drawer tilts and hits you. Um, roll me a d3 for damage. <laughs> um, you'd find no drug-related <laughs> things in the room, no. uh, Dr. Ephraim. But that doesn't mean that the place isn't absolutely stocked with them, because I did fail. <laughs> and that's a two. Okay, you get bonked on the head by the edge of the drawer that 
Oh, oh my goodness, Miss Thorne. Oh, oh I'm so, so terribly oh, sorry. Are you okay? Please, you are agitating the spirits. <laughs> Was that really necessary? I, I, I think mostly what I've agitated is Miss Thorne's head. Are, are you okay? That as well. <sighs> The drawer was shallower than I thought. I'm I'm so terribly I'll, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll live. I'll live. Oh, goodness sake. And you're saying you uh, feel some guilt towards Alice? Well, yes. Yes, I do. Um, I, I think I found something, though. Oh, well, I suppose it's all all right then, isn't it? Uh, attacked away at the back of the drawer is a letter. It's from a man named Daniel Ridley and is dated two weeks ago and bears a return address in Soho. I'm going to hand it to you, Francis, to read for us. How exciting. First handout. Okay, so uh, Francis will shake the letter out, straighten it. Uh, To the gentle Mr Gladstone, I write this letter with the intention of introducing myself and in regard to our collaboration together... My name is Daniel Ridley, and I am a reasonably accomplished composer in my own right. Uh, Chillingworth speaks very highly of you and your work, but has felt somewhat concerned about your well-being. He hopes that I can help you to finish the score to his play, Loki's Gift, within the next few weeks. Though I'm reluctant to interfere in any artist's creation, uh, Chillingworth assures me that I am only to assist you in completing your task. I look forward to meeting you in person and hope that together we can fully realise your vision. Yours, Daniel Ridley. Ah, it sounds like he was uh, perhaps composing something for these bohemians. For a play of some sort. Is it dated, Avery? Uh, there's no date on the letter. Was there any sort of envelope or anything? Uh, yeah, the envelope is dated two weeks ago and bears yeah. a, ret- a return address in Soho. Sorry, you did say. So you have yes. an address. The envelope was uh, bears a date of two weeks ago and a return address in Soho. <laughs> well done. In Soho, you I'm say? I'm going to cycle it yes. you. Dated two weeks ago. Yes. Oh, the poor boy. I mean, it's it's relatively recent and, and suggests that he was uh, having trouble with his well-being. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind, whilst I am not at all musical myself, is... A play surely is uh, two, three hours long. That is a lot of music to write in a matter of two weeks for anybody, isn't it? Well, I, I, they were trying to finish it by the sounds. It sounds like he was already partway through the composing. Of course, uh, let us not forget that the place is full of sheet music on the desk and the piano. I wonder if any of this is the music for the play. I, I, I can read music. I, I play a, a very... Little viola. As in a little bit of viola, not a little viola. <laughs> they were the tiniest viola. <laughs> Pocket size. A ukulele viola, they call it. Oh, good God. Oh, God. Not again. It's given to me by a man named Frederick. <laughs> that, is, that is wonderful. I would be quite interested in perhaps looking through the music as well with you, mainly to see what his handwriting strokes were like. Do they become a bit more... Erratic, perhaps, over time? Well, uh, we can take a look. I do play a little piano myself, not uh, not by any means a maestro. Do you mean a little piano or a little bit <laughs> of piano? <laughs> 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 yeah, yes, we have, we have a small orchestra, a very small orchestra, you and I. Okay, okay, so you all gather up the pieces of music and you look at them. Uh, they appear to comprise sections, some unfinished, of music for a piece called Loki's Gift. Uh, gathered together, the sheets form a long piece with multiple movements, which looks to be some part of an overture. I can accept an art and craft music or similar to um, see what you think of the musical notation. Right, here we go. Fifteen. Artcraft Viola, bring it on. I believe in you. Yeah. Oh, that's not that bad. That's a 27. Mm. Yeah, I'll hold off before I spend okay. 12 luck. Should I give it a go as well with the piano? No way out. 
45. Let's see if I'm lucky. I, I play a, a tiny piano myself. No, that's a 92. Amazing. Mm, yes, it's definitely music. <laughs> there are lots of dots and sticks everywhere. Did anyone succeed? No, I'm holding it upside down. Not at all. <laughs> um, you can push it with a hard education roll if you like. Ooh, that's kind of... Although that's still only 37. No. Yeah, and we don't want to accidentally rip this or anything, right? This might be important <laughs> if we can show it to somebody who's vaguely competent. Mm. We um, might need some help on this one. Yeah, it can't be hard to find a professional musician to look at it. Someone with a piano skill uh, or someone with a music know. skill who has their instrument on them can <laughs> roll a hard art and craft to try and play it. <laughs> well, luckily, my viola's really <laughs> tiny, so I've always got it with me. Yes, Alice will get her piano out of her pocket. <laughs> so there is a piano in the room. <laughs> but she can only play the tiny one. <laughs> can, can I do that even though I, I just failed on her? Yeah, you failed at looking at it and trying to understand, but maybe if you try to play it, they will make, like you can, yeah. Yeah. It's like that moment right. in the movie where the detective dips their finger in the blood and <laughs> sniffs it or whatever. You're going to go over to the piano and play the first few notes to see if That's suddenly... a hard piano roll. All right, chaps and chapesses, let's uh, see what this sounds like, shall we? Um, I'm afraid I uh, left finishing school rather early, but we shall see. No, that was a 45, so that's another fail. Do you want to try and push it? <laughs> uh, shall I give it a go? Shall I try? Dad, what's your actual chance? <laughs> not good odds. Uh, not not great. Uh, I've got twenty five. Let, let's not have you die in a piano accident. <laughs> no, no, no let's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, so let's give it a quick go. I also play a small amount of piano. Oh yeah, go for it. It's worse odds. I've only got fifteen. You, sco- you make a scooch like, ah, oh, let me. <laughs> yeah, if I may, Miss Thorn. <laughs> Maybe it's a duet. Uh, <clears throat> bit rusty, I'm afraid. That's a 71. <laughs> really wish I'd uh, paid more attention to that tutor. <laughs> you start playing like a like a starting song. I'm just warming up. It's like da 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 da. <laughs> whatever. It's it was a, in the time. It's a complete discord. <laughs> this music looks complicated to all of you. You're like, this is clearly very well done. Very well done. <laughs> Clearly out of tune. Uh, I think he'd maintain it better. Um, Far too avant-garde <laughs> for me, I'm afraid. And um, you feel satisfied that you have searched through the room. Is uh, Lord Gladstone um, still hanging around outside, or does he come in once we start playing his dead son's piano? <laughs> um... <laughs> a good point. Yeah, Gabrielle's <laughs> feeling quite com- uncomfortable at that, actually. Once we start mm. playing Heart and Soul. Gabriella, you also asked about the handwriting of the musical notation. Um, and yes. I think you'd find that it's all quite like intense. You can see that the pencil has been like smushed into the paper like with a lot of passion. <laughs> it's not like a slow and well made it's kind of like yeah um, you you can you know from the letter that he must have been in some kind of rush as well is the is the music dedicated to anybody no I was going to ask if it had any, like, obviously bizarre you know the way there's like that one piece of music that um, includes a canon yes 1812 uh, yes thank you um, I knew you'd know <laughs> And sometimes they have, like, absolutely absurd um, whatever the stage directions equivalent is. Is there anything like that? No. There's no, like, bring you the salmon in at this roles. point. Stop okay, we're just, we don't know anything. <laughs> Sorry. You, you see music. That's okay. it. Cool. And is Lord Gladstone still outside? Uh, are you going outside to look? Well, I mean, I look round to see if he's come in the room. <laughs> he hasn't come in the room, but the door is closed behind you. Okay. Then, uh... I can't Think of anything else to look at. Didn't find any drug paraphernalia, to, to his credit. Yes, so you're in the room and you feel like you've found what you can find. It's been uh, approximately 45 minutes of searching and pondering uh, cheat music. Should we talk to the sister, do you think? 
Did, did Lord Gladstone say they were particularly close? Was that right? I believe so. It seems so, yes. I would be curious to know if Lord Gladstone knows either of those people in the letter, this Mr. Ridley and Chillingworth. We can certainly ask on our way out of the door, I suppose. Although I suspect... Well, uh, just thinking of my own dear sister, <laughs> she may be more likely to know the uh, inner workings of her brother's mind than perhaps uh, his father. Perhaps, but it's always good to get different points of view. He might know about his uh, employment arrangements. I mean, sounds like this Shillingworth chap had a, an engagement with him, you know, commissioned. Let's ask the man himself. I'll pull the door open. Oh, God. <laughs> I should have thought this voice. Oh, get some water. Oh, we're going to be sponsored by Fisherman's Friends mm. or Strepsils. <laughs> this is what we need. Okay. He is. Um, he hears the door open and you can see him kind of walk into the hallway and he says, um, are, are you satisfied with your search? For, for now, Lord Gladstone, we have uh, many possible places to look. Uh, we have found some leads. How exciting for you. Of course, of course. Uh, we were wondering, actually, if you had heard of um, somebody called Daniel Ridley. Uh, uh, let, let me think. Um, no, I'm, I'm afraid uh, that the name does, doesn't ring a bell. What about uh, Chillingworth? Ah. Ah. Queer name, that, but uh, no, um, doesn't ring a bell either. Uh, did you uh, find... Uh, we we found a letter from Mr. Ridley to your son. Um, it sounded like um, the two of them collaborated on this um, this new Loki's gift piece that your son was writing, and Chillingworth was also mentioned in the letter. Oh, I didn't know anything about that. How uh, disappointing! Oh, he didn't tell you at all about this piece he was writing. Well, uh, as I said. Uh, Hadn't seen much of him in the last few months. But I suppose he didn't get the chance. You been uh, out of town, old boy? Ah, uh, uh, well, uh, as I said, uh, I might have been uh, more absent as a father than I would have liked. You, you know, where work takes takes a lot of time. Yeah. No, quite. One hopes quite. that. Uh, their adult children have everything under control until, of course, some, something like this happens. Uh. Gabriella narrows her eyes. Nobody could have seen this coming, I'm certain. Ephraim uh, thinks very briefly of his own four-year-old <laughs> daughter, firmly uh, <laughs> ensconced with her nannies, <laughs> and then uh, thinks of it no more. And Alice is an eternal spinster, so... Uh, she has no experience of this at all. Um, well, um, would you like to uh, talk to Catherine? I think we would, yes. That would be helpful. Okay. Lord Richard takes you downstairs, uh, several floors, to the drawing room. There you see a young woman with curly blonde hair and a pale complexion doing some embroidery. Lord Richard sits at a chair in the room. And, um, she looks up to you. Uh, hello. Uh, Father said you may, you might need to ask me a few questions about, uh, Charles? Uh, yes, if it is, uh, not too indelicate. Uh, please accept my sincere condolences for your loss. Um, uh, I'm afraid I don't have much to tell you that Father wouldn't have already. She says, and she looks up to her father. Can we roll a little psychology to see uh, if she might be uh, lying? You, you can if you want. Just a little one. I suspect she's not going to speak, speak freely with Lord Gladstone in the room. Yeah, that's my thinking too. Mm, no, yeah, I've succeeded. That. Same. A successful Just psychology fine. roll will tell you that Catherine appears reluctant to share information about her brother while her father is around. Oh, <laughs> what a surprise. Incredible. Um, 
Hmm. Having identified this, I would like to attempt, as a social equal, to drag Lord Gladstone to another room. Like physically, with force? I would like to pick him up in one <laughs> hand. No, I just, I want to just- Chuck him over your shoulder. <laughs> I embrace him passionately and mm -hmm. no. Um, I just want to distract him. Uh, so I guess the pretext will be, um, yeah. Um, actually, Gladstone, mm. if you don't mind, um, just while they're chit-chatting, I know the papers are all over this, and well, I mean, as, I know how it is, reputation to maintain, old family and so on. Um, I might have one or two tips for you, actually. Uh, I know someone at the Times, and you know, and I'd like to sort of just kind of usher him can I get you another brandy? Oh well, um, yeah. I would. Didn't you say that it was bad for the for the liver? Was it? Yes. Well, <laughs> you know, exceptions must be made. Very trying time. Just for your nerves, old boy. Very well, very well. And he walks out with you happily, <laughs> <laughs> nice. leaving the rest of you in the room with Catherine. Once he's uh, safely gone, I'll say, uh, forgive me for uh, being forward, uh, Miss Gladstone, but. Uh, I myself had a, uh, a sister. We confided each, in each other a great deal, and I wondered if perhaps there might be something that Charles might have confided in you that he might not have confided in his father. It sounds like he was having some difficulties towards the end of his life. <laughs> oh, just thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk freely. Uh, I would hate to tarnish the memory of my brother in front of my father. You know, Charles was always kind and thoughtful, if, if a bit oversensitive at times. He was a wonderful big brother and always supportive, but in this, this last year, he has been spending most of his time with other musicians and artists. A bad influence, I call it. Taking him to places of ill repute, to drink, gamble, carouse. Ugh. And then there's the woman. The woman? A woman? <laughs> this Cornwall lady? Ah, yes, sir. Uh, did father mention her? Hmm. Uh, it was about uh, three months ago, I believe, that they met. Uh, she's an actress of some fame, actually. He spent a great deal of time with her. And, uh, well, he was, uh, growing quite fond of her, I believe, and in, not in a, a platonic way. So she was more than a muse, shall we say? Mm. I don't believe she was ever a muse. Uh, in fact, I believe that she introduced him to some very, very bad influences. I believe she seduced him and broke his poor heart, my dear, dear brother's heart, and that's why he did it. I believe it's, it's her. She broke him. He always used to tell me everything, but then... And you're certain it was not an accident? It's a, a sibling, you know, sometimes you get a feeling when you're close to someone and you can't quite let it go. And my feelings lie firmly with the influence of that Margaret Cornwall. I know exactly what you mean, Miss Gladstone. Mm -hmm. Do you know where we might find this... Uh, Cornwall. Mm. She is currently starring in a production of the musical The Shop Girl at the Gaiety Theatre. So that's where I'd look for her first. Perhaps we can catch a performance. How fun for you. A musical. <laughs> Speaking of which, do you know anything about this piece that your brother was writing before he died? Loki's gift. I'm afraid not. I never quite understood his music, but he was very talented. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he was. 
But, uh, I, sorry, I didn't mean in terms of the music itself, uh, more his, his behaviour when writing it. He has been preoccupied, but I always assumed it had more to do with uh, other things than music. Yes, I did feel terrible things in that room, spiritually speaking. Are you uh, a follower of spiritualism yourself, Miss Gladstone? Uh, not particularly, but it's nice to know this is uh, being investigated from all angles, I suppose. Hmm. Yes. Uh, Gabriella here is uh, extraordinarily talented. Is there anything else that you could tell us? Anything, no matter how sensitive you might feel, that you think might aid us? We want to get to the bottom of this, for you and for your father. And so any detail, however small, may be important. You can be assured of our discretion as well as our candour when we eventually speak to your father, but uh, we won't say anything until it's the right time, don't worry. Uh, I, 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 I do believe in you, but I'm afraid uh, I've said everything I know. Then I thank you for your time, and I uh, extend my condolences once more. Thank you. She returns to her embroidery. Why don't we... Shall we take a moment to review all the possible places you could go to next? Or would you like to... Would you like to roleplay uh, Dr. Ephraim's chat with Lord Gladstone <laughs> about media management? I assume that you can, you can just come and find me and <laughs> slightly more unsteady Lord Gladstone. <laughs> and we're just sort of wrapping up and uh, Ephraim's saying that... Um, yeah, don't worry, old boy. Be over in a trice before you know it. I'll, I'll write those notes I mentioned in the morning, and we'll get this sorted out. Oh, thank you so much. That uh, that does reassure me, uh, Tad. I uh, give him a manly clap on the shoulder, and uh, <laughs> clap on the butt. <laughs> as we give do him the old one, in the changing two, rooms. both cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, how they do it in France, isn't it? <laughs> That's how they do it on the continent, dear boy. Uh, I'm ready to review uh, our next destination. Okay, what do we have? So we've got a couple of things to, yeah. to go on, haven't we? So I, mm. I've written quite a bit down. We've got the theatre. I mean, yep. this Margaret Cornwell seems pretty central to whatever had been happening mm. to him. And... Yep. Catherine specifically feels as though he was introduced to even worse influences since uh, falling into her company. Mm -hmm. The club, mm -hmm. the Pacific Club, which I don't think we've got an address for yet. Is that right? Uh, I suppose we could look it up. You could probably look it up quite easily. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's a properly back, back, you know, backroom kind of deal. I'm sure we know somebody who knows somebody eventually. We've got two names with no way of tracing them, uh, Ridley and Chillingworth. Well, we do have mm -hmm. um, the return address in Soho. That's true. Mm -hmm. And if Chillingworth is a playwright or play producer, then we just need to get hold of somebody who knows about theatre stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Assuming it was a mainstream one and not some tiny little off West End, who knows? But yeah, let's just go to Soho. Yeah. I mean, even if it is some random small place, I'm sure that in local pubs or uh, seamstresses or any kind of local business who deals with theatrical types would know it. We can just yeah. go on a pub yeah. crawl. <laughs> we'll go... Yes, absolutely. Pubs are great to start with, um, yeah, in that regard. But it does say he is a reasonably accomplished composer, so I'm sure at least locally he's going to be well known. Yeah. So do we um, do we think that trying to take in the show is a good first step? I mean, we don't even necessarily have to approach Cornwall immediately afterwards, right? We could just sort of get a no. feel for mm. the place and the sort of thing she's involved in. Yes, absurd. Yeah. It's some sort of scandalous musical. <laughs> I would be very interested to see if this Mr. Ridley comes along as well and what his role could be. I'd love to know how talented he is. But, oh, good God. Well done. Ah. 
<laughs> Insert whoopee cushion noise there, Brayden. If we're uh, if we're going to be frequenting uh, music halls, I wouldn't mind um, <clears throat> popping home for a change of clothes. Just just a couple of streets away. I just um, you know, <clears throat> don't want anyone recognizing me. That's all. Are you a couple of streets away? Where's your home? I live in Kensington. Area? Oh yeah, Jay. That's not oh, a couple yeah, of streets away. No, you're literally we next to where you are right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're there. You're I mean, a couple of streets from where you are now. To figure yeah, out no, like, how fine. close within yeah, the Yeah, you're in Kensington. Yeah, so. it's not going to be far, far, like mm. a 10 minute walk. Uh, I, I suspect you're not underdressed for this particular theatre, <laughs> uh, Ephraim. <laughs> uh, overdress, I suspect, <laughs> dear Francis. Just want to put on some of the, um, I don't know, see if the butler's got anything. Uh, okay. You're going incognito then. That's exactly the word, Miss Thorne. You put your finger on the crux. Look, my wife doesn't know I'm going to be seeing actresses, and it's just neater all round, all right? Uh, of course. But Francis will look baffled. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Come, come, I'll protect you. <laughs> from his from, wife? From whom? From the gutter presser? Yeah, from my wife. No, from the actresses. <laughs> oh, I see, you're going to chaperone me. Oh, I see. <laughs> I didn't quite say that. <laughs> In my younger days, perhaps. <laughs> Dear Gabriella, but, um... Look, um, let's get a cab, shall we? And this won't take a moment. And I'll, I'll hail down one of those handsome cabs that always seem to be exactly there when you need them in Sherlock Holmes books. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now you on your way to the Gaiety Theatre? Yes, but I'm wearing an old suit of my butler's. Okay. <laughs> I'm picturing you in like an ill-fitting like butler's outfit with like your stomach poking out of the middle and the trousers all hitched up around, around your Actually, mid-calf. I'm quite scrawny these days. I've lost quite a bit of weight uh, since coming back from Afghanistan. So let's say that my butler is on the sort of paunchier side of things. So there is quite a lot of room to breathe in this jacket. Mm. I'll whisper to uh, to Alice in the uh, in the cab. Are, are actresses specifically quite predatory? Uh, <laughs> not, not something I'm particularly aware of. <laughs> Why are you hoping them to be? No, no, of course not. I, 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 and I'll just sort of look out of the window, turn bright red. <laughs> Gabriella will laugh. I was just rolling listen to see if I overhear this, uh, <laughs> and apparently I do. So um, I just offer a. Uh, <laughs> you've not been hanging around the right sort of actress, dear fellow. I um, I, I, um, uh, I suppose, I suppose not. You arrive at the Gaiety Theatre. It stands at the eastern end of the Strand on Aldwych and is well known for showing operettas, pantomimes and humorous musicals. And tonight is a showing of The Shop Girl starring Margaret Cornwall. Uh, Let's say it is 6.30pm for a 7.30 performance. And I hope you've all had early dinners. I'll just pop into Pret-a-Manger and grab a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Ephraim doesn't really need to worry. I'm sure we can go for a late supper afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they used to do, isn't it? That's the ticket. On Speaking of tickets, uh, you can buy tickets at the ticket booth, um, which is a few metres away from the stage door, which is guarded by a doorman. Unless you guys are too proud, um, Ephraim will uh, reach for his billfold and, and wave you all away. Are you sh- are you sure, Ephraim? I, I'm perfectly happy to pay my own way. <laughs> Don't mention it, old boy. Oh. Old family friend. What? Wouldn't dream of it. Yes. Very kind of you, Ephraim. Uh, yeah, I slide whatever amount of money across the... I was going to do something... Uh, silly and comical, but that's not Ephraim, actually. He knows how much things cost, and he slides the correct amount of money over well the counter. Done. It's uh, probably nothing to you. Yeah, no. Credit and... rating of 90. I'll roll if you want. <laughs> Presumably tickets are relatively cheap, though, right? Yeah. 
No, there's no way he doesn't have enough of these tickets. <laughs> so you have acquired your tickets to this evening's performance of The Shop Girl, and you have an hour before the performance starts. And with the exciting beginning of your adventure, this brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much, everyone. Jason, Noxicals, Hal, Lydia, and of course, our amazing co-editor, Brayden. You've all been the best. And a big massive thank you to our listeners. You're all exceptional. Your listens, comments, and ratings are incredibly helpful. But if you want a way to support us further, please consider joining us over on patreon.com forward slash stars where you get access to episodes a week early. What's that? We have a new patron on board. That's right. Thank you so much for your support, Eric Blevins. May the omens be ever in your favor. We'll be back shortly to record Beyond the Madness for our Cold Elder and Avatar tier patrons. They get access to behind-the-scenes discussion after every episode, as well as bonus episodes, exclusive Discord channels, and more. Speaking of Discord, you can find an invite link to our Discord community, as well as all of our social media links, on our website at sazaride.com and in the description of this episode. Come join us. Now, farewell, dear listeners, until the stars are right again. Before moving on to this week's Beyond the Madness, I'd like to urge our lovely fans to leave us a review and let us know what you think. Reviews help us reach more people and give us that extra boost of enthusiasm to keep doing what we love. You can find all the places you can review us at starsaride.com forward slash reviews. Thank you.